Hello everyone, my name is David Campman and this is of Tech and Learning, where we cover technology, learning, and education, and everything in between. Welcome everybody, this is of Tech and Learning. And I have a first for this podcast series. I have a guest on for interview, and his name is Adam Kroom, and he is from the University of Oklahoma, and his title is the Director of Digital Learning, and he does some pretty amazing things there, and the whole team I would say he'd probably say the whole team uh, at University of Oklahoma does a really good job of innovating, and he's going to talk about some of their stuff that they've been doing down there. So welcome, Adam. Thanks, David. Want to say hi or anything? <laughs> what's happening? This is, I, don't, I don't know what's happening where you are, but uh, we're having a great day in Oklahoma, man. Oh, yeah, good day here. We have uh, possible 10 inches of snow tomorrow coming. So, yeah, yeah. possibly when people are listening to this, we'll be in the middle of it. So that'll be fun. We just finished our uh, our spring break. So this is the first week back. Campus is still a little bit sleepy. Um, But uh, no, can't complain about anything right now. That's good. Good time of year. All right. Well, we're going to jump right in then. Um, So one of the big initiatives you guys have been starting down there is what you call OU Create. So can you tell me a little bit about why, why you guys decided to make OU Create and what it is? Yeah, sure. So, uh, gosh, I don't know where to start with the, the history on this. Um, I, should, I should say maybe first my background as an instructor. And that is I'm, a, I'm an instructor in our Gaylord College of Journalism and Mass Communications uh, and I teach in our strategic communications department, um, mostly advertising and PR related courses uh, that focus around design. And I've taught a, taught a class specifically called PR Publications, uh, which is a graphic design course for public relations students, most of them who haven't had uh, really any design experience at all uh, before prior to to my class and we go over the fundamentals of graphic design and then how we start applying that with technology and uh, both within print space within and in web space so I have a, a background myself in kind of this this web design idea or web web presence space for for quite some time I was kind of the nerd in high school who was designing websites for local bands that I knew uh, or just common interests that I had as a kid. And that's, that's how I initially learned this was seeing web as a form of expression. Um, and we, we, as natural with a design class, it, we basically had a portfolio component of it was whether you take your final work and then you'd create some kind of web portfolio. And so that's something that I had been doing for a while. Uh, I'd started having conversations with our provost on the concept of an e-portfolio. And I don't know what year this was, 2012, 2013, something like that. And uh, e-portfolios were sort of all the rage. And we started looking at e-portfolio solutions over the next couple years. Uh, and I won't, I won't say like what vendors or anything, but 
what we found about them was they felt uh, sterile in some ways. It kind of felt like a university branded LinkedIn type system uh, where the university kind of dictated the way it looked and what you got out of it and you know, kind of how you could build a website. And so we kind of always left it on the table because e-portfolios weren't incredibly exciting within, within necessarily the, the way we were seeing. Uh, in 2013, I met Jim Groom, who at the time was at the University of Mary Washington and uh, led their uh, digital learning and technologies team there. And they were doing this domain of one's own concept, this idea that rather than giving students a simple technology, they were giving them the infrastructure to, to register their own domain uh, and have full control of that, install the applications that they chose to install, uh, but really have this experience with a, essentially commodity web hosting. And I really love that idea. So within my own class, I started taking a lot of approaches in which Jim and others at uh, Mary Washington were, were doing with uh, their course DS-106. And rather than thinking about the web being this portfolio, this idea that happened at the end of the semester, I started it at the beginning of the semester. And it was a space in which all ideas would kind of fall out onto, onto paper, if you will. And so rather than it being a portfolio of final work, it was a place in which you started to see the narrative of how kids work through their work themselves. I should say students, not, not kids. But uh, eventually now everything's online with that course. See, all the lessons are on there. They all have their own blogs. They're all writing. You can kind of see this network space in which uh, their, their thoughts are coming together. But you can also complete the assignments themselves in, in whatever fashion that you, that you feel you want to. And this was really compelling to our university because now you got to see what learning looked like. You didn't see this, this, this final product, but you actually got to see the process of what does it look like to learn as a University of Oklahoma student, someone who is taking this networked learning approach to a classroom. The other thing that was really interesting was that you saw how individual all the students were unlike, say, the learning management system where every student looks identical, their space looks identical, students would personalize their space and they'd change the way it looked. And they'd all have their own specific uh, public voice or tone in which they used. And so it was a way that's you know, fairly captivating for um, administrators, I guess, to say at least, to, to, to see what students look like. You, you want to always get that sense of what's a classroom like. And this was a way in which we could see it. So I pitched, I started talking with Jim Groom and Tim Owens, both were at University of Mary Washington, said, I really like this domain of one's own idea. Can we do something like this at the University of Oklahoma? How do we build that type of infrastructure? And they literally were kind enough to send me the specs for the servers and the different software packages we'd need. We put together a budget and we did a dog and pony show and, uh, to the university and we were able to get it approved. At the same time, Jim and Tim were starting Reclaim Hosting this, uh, this, this company outside of the university that would just do this commodity web hosting for higher education, reclaimhosting.com. And the week, literally the week that we had got it approved, uh, they had decided to go with an institutional pricing model where you could actually do it for your institution. And I said, well, okay, I guess we, we could do it totally on our own or we could also just partner with these guys as well. And so we, we became one of the first 
institutionalized uh, universities or institutionalized services with Reclaim Hosting and kind of branded ours OU Create. Uh, we started that in 2014, over that first year. Uh, we decided we'd do a, a thousand domain pilot and those filled up within the first year. Uh, you had to kind of apply for it at first to get in and, and we got lots of applications to be used mostly within the classrooms, but also faculty who wanted a, a larger web space itself. And so that's, that's really where the, the, the community started from was just this idea of uh, seeing good work that was happening in other institutions and, and trying to figure out how did it fit our community itself. Um, and as of, I guess, last fall, it's now became a product that's available for everyone at the university. And we started moving away from the full domain just for scale purposes and giving people subdomains. So you could get anything you wanted .ocreate.com, or you could purchase a full top level domain as well and, and use that however you, you wish. So that's, uh, I think, that, I think that's, that's probably the, the better part of the story. Well, it's a good story. Um, the thing that I really liked about this, and when I've talked to you in the past, it kind of just happened naturally. There was yeah. there was no forcing the movement onto people, and those are the ones that you know when people talk about what, how can we get education to advance forward and and actually have successful technology use. I mean, that things like this. That's what comes up to me is where it just happens and you keep going with it. Yeah, so, so because we didn't call it ePortfolios, right? We just said, this is, this is basic modern web infrastructure. Use it however you see fit. We want it to be tied to an individual, right? We want it to be an individual space, but it can be, you know, you, you just, let's have the community decide necessarily what it wants to be. So yeah, it was portfolios and it was blogging and, and some of it was what my class looks like, but other, others of it was just, you know, we need a space, we need some web space for, uh, you know, the small uh, conference that we're doing or uh, a research group. That was one of my, the, the interesting ones to me was just faculty, you know, the university's always provided uh, this space kind of usually within a department website, right, where they have these profiles for faculty what you usually don't see is what are the informal kind of research groups that have kind of manifested themselves out of these faculty sets. Mm -hmm. And there was ones that we just want to say, yeah, we want, to, we want to show off our lab. We want to show off our research group. We want to show off how I'm working with so-and-so in, in this department. And uh, we want to have a space to publicly talk about the, the research that we're doing. And, and, and that's something that we didn't, we didn't you know, expect or dictate or say this is one of the only only ways in which it could be used. Um, and but we're excited to know that they're being served because that's that's ultimately what you know we're trying to do is is we're just trying to serve the needs of our community, you know, in, in whatever way we can. Yeah, I love the whole requesting web space. <laughs> <laughs> My university is very, very, very good at, at giving me web space when I need it, but it's always so funny. It's like, can I have just a little more slice of the <laughs> of the web? <laughs> right. Uh, you're like, it feels kind of awkward uh, doing it that way. Um, the one thing I was curious about you said you switched over to doing more of the subdomains for people. And for those that might not be familiar with that, so instead of having, you know, the full what uh, yoursite.com, it's uh, your subdomain dot and yours is ocreate.com. 
So that's, that's what they would be getting. They'd get that first chunk before the period there. And I was curious, now that you've switched it, do you have, do you guys see a lot of people just happy with the subdomain or are a lot of them going, you know, I really want my own domain because when I'm looking at media and doing things, I see all these websites out there where they give you the free subdomain and everything. And it reminds me of the old GeoCities, you know, you know, weird, a whole bunch of weird gibberish dot GeoCities. And, you know, I'm always like, you know, I, I want to own my own domain because it, it feels more mine, I guess, would be my thought. But I'm not necessarily the student or the faculty there. So that I'm kind of curious, uh, what have you been seeing as far as numbers? Yeah, well, yeah. So the interesting part about the numbers piece is we don't we try not to track a lot. You know, we try to be uh you know, we're not running a ton of metrics on what's going on. A question I usually get asked is like, you know, what site's getting the most hits? And like, we, we honestly have no idea. You know, we don't have analytics dropped in on every single site because we really, we really want it to be as true to a, a commodity web hosting experience as possible, right? Where you don't feel like you're, you have this surveillance layer on top of you, but it really is space that you own. And, uh, and we wouldn't want to respect that itself. So I, actually, that's not the number that I look at. But it is interesting when I do go into a classroom, right? And we do these classroom demos where we come in and we're getting a whole class set up on OU Create. And we go over that, you know, what, what's a subdomain and what's a domain and, and what's the difference. And, uh, and some, some piece, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've, we've split it up because there are some people that really, really are excited about the domain itself. And the other people that, that the domain itself is actually kind of intimidating, right? Your name, first name, last name dot com uh, feels very permanent. And there's something, uh, you know, a little bit more temporary about the idea of a subdomain, something you might be able to leave early, uh, earlier, you know, and it not, not last. And, you know, there's I don't know whether there's, there's real reason to that at all, but uh, it, it gives a, a level of comfortability that you can kind of jump into this space and, you know, if it doesn't work, it's not like, you know, you've, you've taken up your, your name.com to kind of practice on necessarily. Mm. On the other hand, there are people who love that idea and they love that, the, you know, they love, they love the fact we, we, we built in, I don't know, in the last six months or so, the ability to fully migrate off of, um, off of OU Create within one click. You know, and you can fill out a form and start just paying reclaim hosting and everything moves over. You have your domain, you have your web space, you know, it moves off of the server. And I don't know of a lot of services that allow you to do a full data migration, right, uh, of everything that you've done within a system itself once you leave an institution. Usually what happens is you graduate and you have some limited amount of time to, you know, so I, I, don't, I don't know what they expect you to do with your email, you know, download <laughs> an archive and I, I have no idea, but that's, that's a lot of data for some people and a lot of important, you know, historical data that you might want to keep for yourself, but you, you just get locked out of. And the, you know, the full domain really gives that power where they can make that switch and to the end user, you know, it's it's it it looks exactly the same, uh, and they they really like being able to to have that sort of you know individual authority uh, stuck to their name, which is great, you know. So I'm I'm glad that we 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 get to offer people different levels in which they you know they so they can get they can get more comfortable within it. Not maybe not everyone's ready for a, a full domain itself, you know, or you might be the person who. You've always wanted this opportunity. You just you just had no one to walk you through, 
how do I purchase a domain and then actually build something that's meaningful on top of it and feel like it was a, a valuable investment on, on your part. That's pretty cool. I, I'm always interested in those, in where people go, you know, like what's driving their, their decision. And when you said that they're, they think about having their name.com, I'm like, wow, okay. That's probably what they're, a lot of them are doing. I, I like to have the weird names, you know, the, the, you know, Midwest, you know, muted, whatever, you know, something crazy. Right. And, and I like grabbing all those domains. That's what I like to do personally. But, you know, that's usually, that's usually what I'll say in the classroom. I'm like, you can call this whatever you want. No, literally whatever you want. I don't care. And usually the instructor's like, no, 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 let's, you know, we need to talk about professionalism and, you know, you don't, you don't want to regret this later, you know, and, uh, but I'm, I'm all for it, you know, call, call, call your name what, what you want, as long as it reflects you, right, like, you know, or it reflects one of the many complicated identities that you have, as long as you feel like it justifiably reflects who you are, I, that's, that's, that's probably as appropriate as we're going to get. Oh, that, that's awesome. Um, I do have a question for you. All right, so you've a lot of people are starting to use this for a lot of different purposes, it seems. And I know you don't like tracking the data, but I'm, I want you to take a little stab at a guess. Okay. All right. Um, what would, how much uh, actual use of the LMS has decreased because of what you guys are doing? So the way I actually do my course is, so I, I'll speak to what I know about the negotiation and integrations of LMS and, and domains. So my, my course site, which is prpubs.us, and it, it exists on the open web, and you can see all of it, for better or for worse, is embedded within the LMS. And it's, it's an iframe within it. Um, you know, that, that you can, it can be accessed within the LMS, and that allows me to do keep my assessments, like my quizzes and gradebook and stuff like that, you know, in the kind of secured environment. Um, now, I've looked at my analytics and something like 95% of all traffic that my website gets comes from within the LMS, which is really fascinating to me um, that, you know, I've, I've done this work to get it out of there. I put it in and that's still how students get to it. And, and, and for me, it, it, it helps me understand to some degree the value of the LMS at least as a centralized space to know how to get to the stuff you need right and that students are still going to think of their workflow as logging into one space and finding that course and then seeing their content themselves uh, now are we doing any work inside the LMS no we're not you know we're not actually doing the work there usually what I call my course site is it's sort of like it's sort of like the landing spot, you know, or hub for where students start. And they go to my course site and they see what lessons, they see what's being asked of them for, for that lesson themselves. And then what they do is they go off to their own domain and that's usually where they do the work uh, or other applications that I have them use online and, and other software applications in which they're, they're doing on. And I've kind of always equated that to like, I don't know if you had this today, but I have this very vivid memory of my senior year of high school, uh, we took a, uh, a, a field trip to like a university library for a research paper that we were working on, right? And uh, these, these library field trips are, are popular, and I love to watch them happen. 
but uh, you, you, you never go to a library field trip. You never take your class to the library and you say, all right, now that we're at the library, let me put you in this room and talk to you here, right? Like you don't, you don't contain this long conversation. What you do instead is you say, I want you to utilize the rest of the library. I want you to get into the databases and the periodicals uh, and go check out uh, you know, your, uh, your, your subject bookshelf or wh whatever it is. And that's the approach I kind of take to my class as well, is like, all right, we're gonna go, the work exists on the web, but it's not necessarily in one space. I want you to explore the rest of the web. We wanna take advantage of the rest of the affordances of the open web for you to kind of go out and, and do some research and tinker around with toys. And then what I wanna do is I want us to get back together, right? We've done our library trip. We're now in the same room together. Tell me what you found. And that's what we're using on the blogs is, you know, walk me through your process. Uh, you know, get, get, let me know how, how you work through your problems themselves. That's the kind of stuff in which we're doing uh, with the, the projects. And I, I don't know if that directly answers your questions or not, but I feel like that was a good story to tell. And I, I hope you're okay with that one. No, no, I, I do appreciate that because that's, that's the one thing where people kind of go into this and – they, I, I've added different technologies to my classes and I've seen other educators do it too. And, and they're always like, the students just keep wanting to go back through this same portal. And it, it's kind of like what you're seeing. That's where they are. And so since they have to go there for their other classes, it just kind of makes a lot of sense to launch out of this one place. And I, I will give the LMS the, you know, this credit. They are very good at linking in a lot of different things. You know, yeah. they've gotten very good at that. And it's it kind of makes it very advantageous to build it however you want outside of that that zone. And and it makes sense to do that. I didn't know that you did them as iframes in there, but that's that's a pretty good idea. I've I've done that in the past, but I haven't done it recently. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm it, trying to get the best of both worlds. Right. Students want some place that they, they know they can count on to find the. The content at the same time, they still have their own personal infrastructure that exists totally with outside of it that they get to keep and take with them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the things that those those the, the friction points that I have with the LMS is my inability to take what's in, what I put inside of it. If you think about you know these, you put a lot of work into these discussions or <laughs> answers or whatever it is that you're doing on there. And then it, it, it it's not it's not your data to keep, you know, and you have you have no way of getting out of it. Uh, that's that's why I like like having this uh, you know this space that exists outside of it as well. So I'm trying to figure out how how do I how do I take the best of of all worlds and make everybody happy. Yeah, the the keeping of that data that's an interesting part of it, and that seems to kind of be what you're going back to is they they own the data. It's their data, and that's a good point you had about email. I've never really thought about actually encouraging students to export their email as an archive before they leave. Mm -hmm. But it is valuable information. I mean, if we are emailing in their students as much as we say we are, <laughs> right. hopefully some of it's worth keeping. Um, <laughs> now, uh, what? Uh, one more question for you on this. Uh, where, where do you think the future is headed for OU? I mean, you're probably you're trying to, from what I've gathered, you're not steering it, you know, through – a very rigid corridor, but where do you where do you think OU Create is is headed? Is it is it going to keep getting bigger? Do you think you might uh, is is there changes coming towards it, or 
or what do you just want to let it go how it feels to go? Yeah, so kind of like I mentioned at the beginning, we're really focused on serving our community's needs. Um, and a lot of that even means for us building a community inside of the university, you know, a stronger community, even to, just to be able to support each other. And so we've been, we've been putting a lot of effort towards how do we how do we amplify what's happening within our community itself? So we have this large kind of RSS feed of every blog post that gets posted on you know, the 2,500 OU Create sites. And we read that every day, you know, and those get funneled into uh, our, our, tw our Twitter user handle, which is, uh, I think, at OU underscore create. Uh, we curate a weekly blog called um, uh, thisweekon.oucreate.com and sort of the best of different writing that we've seen happen across our community itself. And uh, one thing that we're planning on doing later this spring is having our first, uh, what we're calling OU Createes, which is sort of like our version of the Webbies for OU Create, but just ways that we can, we, we, we can, sh we can show and highlight and say thank you and bring together our, our community more. That's really what we're focusing on right now. Um, what I'm starting to see within the university is a deeper literacy into what the web is, right? When I started teaching web in, in my you know, little graphic design course for public relations students, you know, WordPress was like voodoo magic, you know? <laughs> like, it was a total foreign thing. The students and you know now we have oh gosh I don't know a couple thousand installs of WordPress that different people are using and it's becoming a part of the language in which is being used at the university and that that's that's what we want right is that if we want our students to really engage and understand and be critical of technology they have to have this 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 level of literacy uh, that, that will allow for them to be critical of. If we're going to interrogate the web, we have to use it first. And so that's, that's really, really what we're trying, to, um, we're, we're trying to cultivate at our campus. You know, I'll get asked questions like, yeah, what's your adoption rates, you know, or percentages, or stuff, stuff like that. And it's like, well, I don't know if our tool, like, is right for everybody. Like, I don't know if everyone wants to do everything on an open web. And so... You know, we're not we're not trying to go for a, a certain number of people using it or trying to scale, you know, to where everyone's doing it. Like that would be great, and we would love that. But that might not be the right approach for every every discipline or every person itself. And, and we want to we, we want to make keep it that decision where you're opting into something and you're you know you you're you enjoy the the experience of it itself. Um, that's, that's what we want to keep doing. The other thing that we've been really focusing on is, is bettering our service. And so we've been, you know, building tools that, uh, allow us to, you know, to become basically our own help desk. And again, and again, like I should emphasize, like we are not IT. We are within the Center for Teaching Excellence and a very traditional teaching and learning center. Like, uh, IT support is, is not near one of our core competencies necessarily. But we've set up our own you know, account on it with a company called Freshdesk uh, to help us manage tickets you know, and, and treat our users, um, you know, try to give them a really great customer service. And we're, we've integrated like Slack uh, into it as well. So Freshdesk you know, will send a, 
a notification to a create support Slack channel that we have and allows us as a team to say, you know, you, you take this or whatever. But really, really, we want to we want to be the, the best support you can get. And we have a little bit of an advantage on IT, right? Because we're only supporting what you create. But that's what we, you know, we want to be able to do is give that very kind of hands-on boutique experience with, the te- with a piece of technology. Now, I just heard a bunch of things I would never have thought I would have heard an educator say, uh, including I'm making tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the, what you were talking about, you know, you're trying to provide that excellent customer service. And I, I always think about what I do in terms of customer service, but it's, it's, it's really kind of a great thing to think about what you're giving to students. And that's what I, when I saw what OU Create was doing, uh, I mean, I've seen other places trying to do some stuff with that reclaim hosting. And it seems like the focus is putting that technology right into the hands of the students. Yeah. And the teachers now are the support and the assistance and the guidance. And you guys obviously are the help desk, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I can't think of many pieces of technology at a school that does that. Like ever. Well, and and so you brought up an interesting point, which is, you know, the I mean, yes, we're the help desk, but really faculty are our front lines, you know? And so, and that, and that's, that is what we do well, right? As a teaching and learning center. Like we do, we do a good job of equipping our faculty or at least, at least being support for them. Um, and, and we'll tell a faculty member that like, we'll, we'll go into your class and we'll help everyone get set up, you know? But it's not like, it's not like we have an office really somewhere where, you know, people just walk in, like, here's, here's the, here's the ways in which you can contact us, you know, and we want to be what support we can, but to some degree, like self-support is possible with this kind of stuff, right? Like WordPress powers 25% of the web. Like you can, you can find a lot of your answers online as well. And so we can have these kind of varying levels of ways in which we say, yeah, we're, we want to give, give you support. We also want you to be literate yourself as well and hope that you can, you can create this ecosystem within your classroom that supports each other, right? That you're all, you, all of you are, are new to this and you all have similar questions. How do, how do we get students talking to students or students talking to faculty, you know? And uh, we, let's nurture those environments and then let us, you know, let, let us be that, that, that fallback support if you need it as well. Um, I, don't, I don't know how many of those conversations are happening either. Yeah, no, I I agree completely, and it's I I think faculty when they feel empowered with being in charge of it, and it's something that they can learn and use, and then you know uh, they actually can take that ownership themselves. That always has huge success, I think personally. Absolutely, and I think that's that's why the you know we 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 have to keep beating on the drums of the the data ownership part. Like this really is your space. Uh, we do. We really do respect that, and we want it to feel like your tool a lot more than it feels like our tool, you know. And uh, hopefully, through that process, there is this 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 shared ownership idea, at least, you know, that that it is it is your space, and 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 you do have that autonomy to decide how and and what you want to do with it. And the last point I want to make on that, and it's something you said, so I'm taking words out of your own mouth. Um, is 
you guys are not tracking everything that they're doing. You're not tracking the statistics on their site. And that is something that it seems almost unfathomable on the scale for what higher education has become right now with data this, data that. That's, that is something that makes this pretty unique in what I think. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. I mean, I know that would be something that would make me as a student or a faculty jump into it much more so if I knew I wasn't being watched by, you know, Big Brother or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right. You know, we're not watching you. So that's, uh, that's pretty unique. I do, I do think that, and I hope you guys can keep doing that that way because that is a, a good way to kind of trust your students which, you know, everyone likes to say that they trust their students, so. Yeah, 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 I know. There's, there's a lot of complexities in the, in the big data conversations right now, and uh, we, you know, we, just, we, we know what, what data is valuable for us to know to do our jobs, and we just don't really see what, what pieces of data would be incredibly valuable for us to be tracking very closely. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking to us about OU Create. And, man, we'll probably have to have a whole other discussion just on your, your online course. But um, <laughs> uh, the one last thing to talk about, and I gave you this just as a reminder at the beginning, you know, what ed tech tool do you find effective and like to use for student learning? I mean, I know you you've, you can't use the one that you talked about with OU Create, unfortunately, because <laughs> uh, we kind of covered that one already. So, uh, what what's one that you really like? So, hopefully, the people listening can think and kind of get like a a good firsthand approval rating from a, a very valuable educator. Yeah. So the the one that I've been interested in recently is how GitHub can be applied towards higher education. And for those who aren't familiar with GitHub, it is uh, you know, the largest source of open source code on the internet, and lots of sharing is taking place, um, which is really good for, for coders, but it, you know, code is, when you boil it down, code is text. And so there's lots of other ways in which you can have this openly shared and collaboratively built environments themselves. Um, and just everything about GitHub has really got me um, you know, interested right now in the idea of you have your own repository where you kind of keep your work, but someone could uh, fork it, is what GitHub term is, and, and then it, it becomes their work. Or they can also uh, edit the work that you're working on as well. And trying to think about how do we start building within education these shared models of experiences really uh, that allow for the individual user to have their own space but also also contribute um, to a larger body of knowledge so that's that's one that I'm going to be um, looking into a little bit more I'm going to be leading a workshop uh, at OLC innovate and um, we're gonna we're gonna be coming up with like five different uses for github none of which require coding none, none of which are based <laughs> on coding at all you know but thinking of lm uh, thinking of uh, github as you know your lms replacement or for peer-reviewed uh articles or for web hosting uh with github pages and so we're, you know we're, we're looking at 
lots of lots of different ways in which we can take these technologies that have you know built been built for a specific community and then think about how they can be applied towards higher education. Well, that sounds like a very fun workshop, and I am fortunate enough to be coming to that conference, so I definitely have to attend your session. Please do, yeah. We'll do. Love to have you. And that we'll talk. uh, I'll probably be doing another podcast later about the OLC Innovate because there, this is one of the first conferences I've. I just from looking at what they're going to be doing, it actually will be unique and different. Totally. Um, and I I've actually was a little worried that I might be overloaded with too much information at some point. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to listen. And uh, thank you, Adam, for taking the time to talk to us and share all that is about OU Create. Hopefully you'll get a whole bunch of people going to your, your site to learn and you know, if maybe you get contacted to have some people help set it up, who knows, right? Because I, I think it's something really innovative. And once you see what they're doing there, you'll want to do something like that at your own institution. I guarantee it. So Yeah, and I'll, I, I want to give one last plug, if you don't mind. And that is for a website that is, it's, it's stateu, S-T-A-T-E-U dot org. And that is set up where um, it's, it's the same infrastructure that we have for OU Create. It's ran by Reclaim Hosting, but it's um, a seven-day account where you can literally just go on and log on and pay nothing and play around with the infrastructure. If you want to get a sense of what it's like on the inside, that's a, that's a free space uh, that you're, you're more than welcome to use. And you uh, give people uh, a, a way to kind of peer behind the veil. Awesome. Thank you very much, and uh, once again, thank you everyone for listening, and I, we hope you have a very wonderful day.